Hello and welcome to episode two of Self Love Success, a body posy podcast. My name is Nicola Pierce, and today we're going to talk about my own self love journey. So, what qualifies me to um, preach self love? I am quite aware that for me to bring the subject of self-love to the table and preach about how amazing, how freeing and how empowering self-love is, it's only fair that you get an idea up front of why I feel able to preach on the subject. Now, um, as the very title of this podcast suggests, I am a huge advocate of body positivity And we will talk about this in future episodes, but I kind of feel that my own ride from self-loathing to self-love has been significant in more ways than just the physical. And um, it's been emotional, it's been scary and um, filled with all kinds of decisions that have brought me through two marriages, both of which were not meant to be, um, but both of which played a huge part in me becoming me. Um, a relocation from London to Wiltshire, living separately from my children at one point, and also feelings of insignificance, not being worthy, and questioning if I would ever feel like anyone would treat me with the kind of love I felt I needed. It sounds like it's all doom and gloom, but I promise you it's not. There are many, many happy moments along the way. I'll try to keep this all kind of Uh, an abridged version of events so stick with me because I promise that I that this episode is relevant to every episode to follow. So early memories are of sheer love, snuggles with my parents, playing Star Wars with my brother and running into the arms of my sister who was who is um, seven years older than me. Um, A happy child I definitely was Um, but I was also an anxious one. Looking back, it wasn't acknowledged as such, and my anxieties existed around anything from separation from my mum, to new situations, to my schoolwork, social status, and the way I looked. As I moved through school, I was bullied by boys and girls, um, which meant that my social skills left little to be admired. I felt afraid to even look at most of the kids in middle school and although there were some awesome times, um, some good trips, a few wonderful teachers, um, a select few kids who I actually felt liked me and my longest standing friend, I always had that familiar feeling of dread from the moment I arrived to the moment I left. Uh, So into high school and it was much the same. I had a circle of friends but always felt like an outsider. My anxieties Um, made that happen you know it wasn't the the doing of the the girls that I I hung out with I couldn't talk to boys I was a regular easy target for those girls who needed one and despised 99.9% of my time there Uh, my friends were all thinner than me so although I was a size 10 to 12 maybe in ladies sizes about 14 years old they were slimmer than that so to my mind I was fat And this stayed with me until I left school. So I felt unliked. 
overweight and stupid based on my struggle to focus and retain information in class. Um, looking back, my GCSE, GCSE results were um, suitable for any course I wanted to pursue. And um, it would have been okayed by employers. I got four C's, it sticks in my brain. Four C's, two D's, two E's and an F. But the F came from history, the only subject I revised for because I was passionate about it. Um, but it left a sour taste in my mouth that I got an F and um, overshadowed the 4C victory. So uh, the English and Science and Maths um, were the 4Cs that I got. Um, but the, the failure uh, and uh, the, the attainment of only an F in history really, really knocked me. If I have known then what I know now, 16-year-old me would have realised her worth instead of nitpicking her failings. The challenges then that adulthood threw at me were possibly, or probably, significantly less than some others I know or knew. Um, after all, I had, had, I had loving parents, wonderful friends, and um, then an attentive first boyfriend who became my first husband and father to my three amazing children. I was a lucky bugger. <laughs> uh, but that, that self-doubt lingered. Um, nights out pre-baby number one were only achieved after hours upon hours of shopping, um, struggling to find the perfect outfit, then a zillion outfit changes whilst getting ready, knots in my stomach, sweaty palms, cotton mouth, and total bewilderment at why my friends were so much slimmer, prettier, and more confident than I was. So um, roll on uh, age 19, boyfriend, sex life, pregnancy, whoops. A happy accident, um, a straightforward carrying of my first son, a craving for KFC and Coca-Cola, thinking that's okay because post-baby will still be a size 14, maybe with a few stretch marks. And oh my God, was I wrong. A traumatic emergency birth, a C-section scar, extra fat on my stomach, and now a size 24. I was a far cry from the me I was a year before, whom I'd already struggled to accept. And now I was fat, spotty, and also slightly depressed. The love of my boyfriend and his total devotion to me, however I looked, helped me to enjoy the first two-ish years of my, my baby's life. Um, yet I wasn't feeling like I was pretty. I dressed in men's t-shirts, joggers, hoodies, trainers, never wore makeup because it never occurred to me um, to, to, to even think about applying it. I hated my reflection and tried Weight Watchers for maybe three months and gave up because I just couldn't say no to the takeaways and the fizz. And um, at this point in time, my self-esteem my self -esteem rating was probably, on a scale of one to 10, about a three. Um, the, uh, we, we, we got married in 2001, and then the birth of my second child, um, a daughter, in 2002, heralded the start of postnatal depression. The house was a mess. The kids were well cared for, but the only thing I did for me was take an occasional bath and eat. Everything else was autopilot. The first two years of my daughter's life are kind of a blank. 
no joke. Um, I remember spits and spots, but it's a lot of those first 24 months. Um, uh, they're remembered through photographs taken. Uh, we had a holiday um, when my daughter was just starting to crawl and I have zero recollection um, of that holiday. The only way I know it actually happened was because there are photographs to prove that it did. Um, from then and through a like, relocation to Salisbury in 2005, followed by my husband's immediate redundancy, job hunts, re-employment, debts, um, a house move, then baby number three in 2007 and into the great unknown that was separation and subsequent divorce. My mental health, self-image and feelings of fear and worthlessness ruled my head. Um, again, if I'd have known then the power I had deep within me to recognise my greatness, my power, the undeniable sense of spirit that has always existed within me, life would have been a whole lot easier to, uh, to navigate. Life after marriage. To say it was easy would be an outright lie. Uh, it wasn't your typical setup. For reasons I thought best, naturally I stand by to this day. I turned out to be the one who was moved out of the family home, leaving the kids with their dad. The youngest was aged almost two years old and the big two were seven and nine. Uh, the day that I moved out, I regretted it. I instantly felt like the worst mother alive. I was being judged for leaving. Uh, people had opinions on this mother who left her kids behind, even though the very reason I moved was so that they would have both parents in one town. Um, their dad had had nowhere to go in Salisbury and I didn't want them to miss out on having him around. Um, but truth be told, following the separation, when he had moved back to London for a short spell, I did struggle. I was working full time. I was a newly single mum and I had barely two hours a day with my children. A childminder gave them the breakfast and dinner and lunch was at school. Um, and there was only ever time really for a bath story in bed in the evenings. So I missed them. They missed their dad. And so the decision was made. After all, what sense does it make for the kids to be in childcare when they could have a stay at home dad and a mum just around the corner? It just made sense. But what I hadn't banked on was a complete and utter despair, which led to alcohol in an attempt to pacify or numb, which led to me avoiding the kids because not seeing them at the time felt easier than saying goodbye, which then led to guilt, which then led to more alcohol, which ultimately led to losing my job as an orthodontic dental nurse. Then I was skint as well as sad, lonely and riddled with guilt. In and out of jobs, sleeping around, a handful of relationships and a whole lot of house moves took me to 2013 when I met hubby number two, my saviour. We rented a place together, two house moves later and my oldest two kids moved back in with me, their choice. And alternate weekends for access continued with their dad. So all three would be with me one weekend, all three with him the following weekend. Uh, things were good, but something was still missing. 
I felt down on myself and it was, um, I was being bullied at work. Yo-yo dieting continued. The avoidance of being photographed from the shoulders down. A properly frumpy wardrobe. Hatred of my reflection and the negative internal chatter that meant I cried regularly, put us all through massive mood swings and wondered if I would ever be truly happy. Fast forward to 2016 and I've joined a network marketing company in the hope that I'll sell a bit of makeup and rock a side biz to pay for treats like holidays and trips. Um, whilst I enjoyed the whole thing to begin with, I lacked the organisational skills to really make it work. That, and looking back, I was actually pretty bad at applying the makeup. So Christ knows how I ever expected to sell the stuff based on the photos that I've, I've looked that I was sharing on social media at the time. So I jacked it in. But what I had discovered as a result of joining that sisterhood for a few months was personal development. Never before had anybody suggested to me that I could work on my thoughts in my own space, in my own time, and organise them into good stuff that can help me feel better about my life and the crap that brought me down and help and held me back. Never had I listened to a motivational speech. Never had I heard a story from anyone who started from zero, both in self-value and monetary terms, to enrichment, enlightenment and total self-approval. This was new and exciting. And so I listened to Les Brown mostly, his friendly southern state drawl and um, his storytelling skills had me reaching deep within me and realising that he was right. I did have greatness within me. I started taking his advice. I reduced the negative influences I exposed myself to. Um, I stopped watching the news, started replacing unhappy thoughts with happy ones. I shifted my can'ts to I cans, avoided arguments, started admitting when I was wrong, started apologising and meaning it. Um, I started encouraging people to listen to the same tapes I did. Um, saying nice things for no reason. And you know what? I started to feel calmer. I was like, this really works. I felt so amazed that I had had the power to make this shift all along. Self-belief crept in slowly. Um, I started learning what I was willing to tolerate from people in my work and, and in my personal, personal life as well. Challenges became easier to navigate and I felt empowered. I was married for the second time in 2017, but unfortunately, we simply just weren't meant to be. Um, after trying to make it work, we separated just 10 months after we'd wed. The kids and I moved out, and then, then, I felt like my life had begun. Everything I'd been teaching myself, but had felt unable to express freely at home, um, started bubbling to the surface so I was buzzing with this sheer excitement for the this whole new beginning just the kids and I my rules our love and a positive mindset that I was able to rave about whenever I wanted to in my own home don't get me wrong 
I'm not coming down on my ex at all. Far from it. He played a massive part in me becoming who I am. We were just in different places. I won't go into it because it's not necessary for me to throw, you know, our ups and downs in detail. But we both since acknowledged we were not right for each other. And he is happier now, taking good care of himself. And I'm so happy for him. Um, I'll be eternally grateful to him for the role he played in me finding my strength. I still don't think he even knows how much those years meant to me. Thoughts on both sides acknowledged and apologies exchanged. I was free emotionally and I turned a new page with this newfound strength and freedom. When I say I turned a page after the separation, it actually began in the months preceding that time. Um, I discovered my beauty. Yep, it sounds conceited, I know, but it's not. A close friend simply told me I was beautiful, sexy, a hot mama, and I chose to believe her. I accepted my size 18 body with a floppy mum tum for the first time since becoming a mother, 17 years ago. 17 years of self-loathing, yo-yo dieting, avoiding my reflection, comparing myself to those I perceived as perfect. And now I accepted me as I am. Cue a tough end to marriage number two. The move with the kids, the newfound freedom, determination to please only me and just do what was right for my family, regardless of what people thought of me. In April 2018, my daughter introduced me to Body Posy Panda on Instagram. This beautiful girl with a fat tummy, that wobbles, who overcame an eating disorder and um, embraced who she was publicly. I was like, I need to do this. I remember thinking, I want to show the world me. I discovered the body positivity movement that day and never looked back. Choosing to embrace every part of my body, accepting that we are all made differently, acknowledge my beauty and even realising I have a favourite bits of me. Everyone needs to know about this. That summer I felt cool, not claustrophobic from covering up so as to not offend the eyes of others with my jiggly bits. I ditched the black and bought florals, dresses, a play suit and some shorts. I stopped thinking I was being stared at because I was ugly or fat. Instead I decided if people wanted to look Maybe it's because they see the beauty that I now see. And if they don't, then who cares? We don't know each other. So I owe them zero explanation. In November last year, I entered a modelling competition called UK Calendar Girls and was selected to attend a casting day which saw me in lingerie in front of total strangers with cameras and votes are being accumulated from, for myself and the other gorgeous contestants as I speak. The ultimate prize at the end of the whole competition is a page on a calendar for 2020. I could be a calendar girl. How exciting. How exciting is that? But you know what? If I don't make the grade, it would have been a completely and utterly amazing experience. I felt stunning that day. Confidence flowed from me. All bar when I was in a red bra and knickers set, gorgeous one I bought especially for the shoot, and I froze. I felt exposed, and for five or ten minutes, I was comparing myself to all those girls in the building I perceived as perfect. I felt for a minute like 
what the hell am I doing? Look at all these stunners. How can I possibly compare? Then I remembered why I applied in the first place. I applied to challenge the perception of perfect. I applied to push myself out of my comfort zone in order to wave the flag for other fat girls who might feel less worthy. I applied to put myself amongst the girls with flat tummies and legs that go on for days who are perceived as perfect but who nonetheless feel imperfect at times and were just as nervous as I was. And I thought, F this. I had a quiet word with the first photographer. I told him I felt a little bit uncomfortable and he produced some stunning images, which he showed me and that gave me the shove I needed. And after all that, I was happy with so many of the photos in me in that red set. I never would have thought it possible. After all that, I knew that I'd achieved total self-acceptance. Isn't it a bit vain to love ourselves this way? Absolutely not. Ever heard the saying, self-love is not vanity, it's sanity. It is so true. If we continue through life with our minds clouded with negativity, self-loathing, anxiety around what people think of us, then we continue as prisoners to ourselves. We hold ourselves hostage and, and the ransom feels unobtainable. The day we choose self-love, be it the physical aspect, the psychological aspect, or a big double whammy, that's the day we give ourselves permission to be ourselves without apology. Loving yourself doesn't by default mean you're hating on everybody else. No, actually, loving yourself first makes you more able to receive love from others and to share that love in a way that is genuine and pure. You know what you expect, what you will tolerate, and you'll distance yourself from the negative, the toxic in life. And you will march forward with a complete inner calm. This is how we should live. And this is my mission. To encourage others to embrace and love themselves so that we can all pass the knowledge down the generations so our children and our children's children can function with love in a world that is growing ever harder to exist in. So thank you so much for tuning in and uh, for sticking with the story. I felt it necessary for me to fully introduce myself and I hope you have an understanding of what I stand for and why. And also that in my own experience of life so far, the choice to love myself has been the best decision I've ever made for me. I do hope you'll join me again for episode three next week. I'm Nicola Pierce and you are amazing.